you can live out your MasterChef dream. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. L.A. Not So Confidential. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. October 12, 1944, a body was found in an overflowing bathtub at the El Palacio apartment complex in Hollywood, California. Though it feels like one of many heartbreaking and violent murders that occurred around the time and area, the victim, beautiful, 20-year-old socialite Georgette Bauerdorf, is living a life far more complicated than what meets the public eye. In fact, the case remains so odd, it almost reads as an old Hollywood murder mystery, complete with sex diary oil tycoons, and war heroes. Today, we're talking about the murder of Georgette Bauerdorf. Georgette Bauerdorf was born on May 6, 1924, in New York City, to oil tycoon George Frederick Bauerdorf and his wife, Constance Danhauser. Georgette had an older sister, also named Constance, known as Connie. Georgette was named after George, Connie named after Constance. The girls grew up as part of New York's social elite, with no expense spared for their upbringing, education, or lifestyle. In 1935, Georgette's mother Constance died, prompting a move across the country for a fresh start. Touching down in Los Angeles, California, Georgette's 1% experience continued, and the preteen attended a school that Town & Country magazine called, quote, the best girls' school in America, the Marlboro School in Hancock Park. Then she'd go on to attend high school at the prestigious Harvard-Westlake School for Girls. Notable contemporary alumni of both schools, which are still elite schools for L.A. youth, include Myrna Loy, Shirley Temple, Candace Bergen, Sally Ride, Jamie Lee Curtis, the Gyllenhaals, and many, many more. But let's go back to Harvard-Westlake in 1944. It was then at age 20 Georgette graduated, but instead of college, she decided to follow in the footsteps of so many of her classmates and become an actress. You can find photos of her at the time, her shoulder-length dark hair and waves, with a, dare I say it, Mona Lisa smile gracing her round, youthful face. Even though she's 20, she looks so much younger, pale and innocent. Really, my perception of her is more of a young teenager than an adult woman. 
Georgette moved to downtown Hollywood in August, where she lived alone in a unit at the El Palacio apartment complex at 8493 Fountain Avenue. To support herself, she held many jobs, clerking at the Los Angeles Times and at a woman's service bureau. She also worked Wednesday nights with some friends as a hostess at the Hollywood Canteen, a dining and dancing club on Coenga Boulevard. The canteen is pretty iconic in Hollywood lore, with an interior that leaned into a Western motif, with wagon wheels hanging from the ceiling and lanterns as light fixtures. You get the picture. The walls were covered with artwork from famous studio cartoonists. It was a popular club for servicemen in the 40s. If you were in uniform, you could enter for free and get all the food and drink you wanted. This worked out well for Georgette, who loved dancing and chatting with the servicemen while on her shift. A woman named Mrs. Atwood, according to GeorgetteBauerdorf.com, was the janitor's wife at Georgette's apartment complex, and she said this about Georgette, quote, She seemed happy and contented. She was very much interested in war work, especially the Hollywood Canteen, where she went every Wednesday evening. She was real proud of being a junior hostess. On June 13th, Georgette met a young private named Jerome Brown at the Hollywood Canteen. Brown was stationed at Camp Callan in California, but was shipped off to El Paso a few days later. Even still, Georgette was smitten, writing six letters to Brown over the coming weeks. Georgette told friends that Jerome was her new boyfriend and that she had plans to visit him in El Paso as soon as she had the money, which was not too far in the future, it seems. On October 11, 1944, Georgette cashed a check for $175 and purchased a $90 plane ticket to El Paso. She then met up with her father's secretary and also her friend, Rose Gilbert. The two got their hair done and hung out. Said Rose, quote, we shopped and had lunch together and she seemed perfectly happy. I was with her until two o'clock in the afternoon. Later that day, Georgette spoke briefly to the El Palacio janitor, Frederick Atwood, thanking him for taking boxes to the basement for her. Soon, she had to report to the canteen for work. So she drove to Cahuenga and met up with her friend, June Ziegler, who said Georgette was knitting in her car in front of the canteen for half an hour before going in. June said that Georgette, quote, appeared to be nervous and had asked her to spend the evening with her at her apartment. However, she gave no explanation for her nervousness or any reason why she wanted to spend the night with her. She remained in the car until 7 o'clock, at which time they entered the canteen. Inside, things proceeded like a usual Wednesday, drinking, dancing, etc., until June noticed that one soldier was persistent in dancing with Georgette. Georgette seemed annoyed, but many nights persistent men would be disrespectful and annoying to the hostesses. It was kind of an occupational hazard. At 11.30, Georgette left the canteen, said goodbye to June and some co-workers, and drove off in her car. From there, depending on the source that you are reading, Georgette went straight home around midnight, or she went to the Palladium. Most say the Palladium, so I'm going to stick with that. Georgette left the music venue around 2 a.m. Driving home, Georgette picked up an army sergeant named Gordon Adland, who was hitchhiking himself home from the Palladium. Georgette shared with Adlin during their short drive that she was expecting a telephone call from her boyfriend, who lived in Texas, later that night. Around 2.30 a.m., one of Georgette's neighbors wakes up to a piercing scream, followed by a woman's voice yelling, Stop! Stop! You're killing me! The neighbor said that after that, the screaming soon subsided. Thinking it might have been a messy family argument, he doesn't report it, and he just goes back to bed. Around 11 o'clock on October 12th, the next day, the Atwood family was making their cleaning rounds and see Georgette's door inexplicably open. They cautiously enter her apartment and hear the sound of running water upstairs. In the bathroom, Georgette's body is discovered, face down in an overflowing bathtub. Atwood said the bathtub was, quote, about three parts full, quite a ways up the tub, and we thought she had fainted, and I reached in there myself to drain the water in hopes we could bring her to. 
We didn't know what to do. Atwood said he didn't notice any blood on her body, that she wore a, quote, short jacket of pinkish color, but that he could not tell if it was open or buttoned or had been torn. He said that she was, quote, kind of laying on the left side with the face down and with the right arm straight back behind her, feet kind of sticking up at the back of the tub by the curtain. He also said she was completely in the tub with the curtain partially drawn. There was hot water dripping into the bathtub and her body, quote, felt kind of warm. The Atwoods drained the water in the tub immediately, like he said, thinking that perhaps Georgette had fainted during some kind of morning routine. They could possibly resuscitate her, but she did not respond. At that point, they called the police. The L.A. County Sheriff's Department processed the puzzling scene. An inspector initially observed something strange and also noteworthy as they began the investigation, that the automatic nightlight over the outside entrance of the apartment had been unscrewed loose so that it would go dark. Later, fingerprints were found on the bulb, but they didn't lead to any suspects. In the bedroom next to the bathroom, there looks as if someone had been lying in the bed. A daily newspaper folded up, and a blood spot was found between the bed and the door to the bathroom. Ale Hutchinson, deputy sheriff at the scene, said, quote, There was discoloration around the blood spot, and I felt it, and it was wet. That is, the carpet was wet all around it and had indications of somebody having tried to use a wet towel to rub it out. When asked at the inquest if it appeared that there had been a struggle, Hutchinson said, Quote, no indication. The bed didn't show it, and nothing in the room turned over or disturbed. There were a couple of ashtrays there on the floor, and they hadn't been turned over, and they still had cigarette butts in them, and they hadn't been disturbed, and they seemed to have been there right along. In Georgette's kitchen, investigators find a can of string beans and some melon rinds in the garbage can, presumably a snack before going up to the bathroom. Georgette's jewelry and other valuables, including rolls of $2 bills and sterling silver, were still in the apartment, completely untouched. Almost $100 was taken from her purse. Investigators also noticed that Georgette's 1936 Oldsmobile Coupe, registered in Connie Bauerdorf's name, was missing from the scene. Later that day, it was discovered abandoned on East 25th Street and San Pedro. The car had a dented fender and was completely out of gas. And then Los Angeles County autopsy surgeon received Georgette Bauerdorf's body, whom he suspected had been in rigor mortis for about 10 to 12 hours. He found abundant bruises and scrapes, and determined that she had been raped. The knuckles on Georgette's right hand were smashed and bruised. There was a large bruise on the right side of her head and another on her abdomen. She had also been strangled with a 9-inch by 9-inch cloth bandage, which had then been found 4 inches deep in her throat and protruded from outside her clenched teeth. Her right thigh showed a massive bruise in the shape of a hand, according to the autopsy, quote, even to the fingernail marks piercing the skin. The formal cause of Georgette Bauerdorf's death was strangulation, but it felt much more complicated to investigator Ale Hutchinson, who believed that the intruder knew the apartment already and was stalking Georgette for this deadly encounter. It was even possible that her killer entered Georgette's apartment before she arrived home, lying in wait downstairs as Georgette got ready for bed, or even rang the doorbell right before she went to sleep, giving open-door access to Georgette and her home. Officers believed it was unlikely that Georgette was accompanied home with somebody, but maybe got a ride home from her and left her at her door, or she gave them a ride home, only to return later that night. And her car? They weren't sure how that fit into the equation. But what they found in Georgette's bedroom would color the case for years to come. But right now, let's take a break. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. 
Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can live out your MasterChef dream. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Hi, hello, how are you? Hello. It's check-in time. Time to check in. This is it. Front do and center. Do what you will. It's your yeah. time. Yeah, it's your it's time. It's your time. It's not our time to shine. No. It's your time to shine. When is our time to shine? Uh, Next week, maybe yeah, sure. later in the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give us 2047. Give us a while. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get there. You'll know it. You'll know it. Oh. want to say hello to anyone who's listening, spreading the good word, mm. getting the good word out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Appreciate your support. Without you, Rebecca and I would just be ordering food and eating it and yeah. not doing podcasts. No, we would not be. We... Love food and we love podcasting. I don't know what the priority is sometimes, but you know what? You don't need to know that either. Yeah. You don't need yes. to know how the sausage is made. Guess, guess <laughs> if we're we're hungry so we're angry <laughs> when we're doing this, or we just ate so we're really drained. And phlegmy. Yeah, guess you know, guess it's where not we are. A healthy choice, let me tell you that. Hmm? Let me tell you something. You know what I put first and foremost? Who? The ghost town government. Ooh. Always got time, always got room for yeah. them. The mayors, the door dasher themselves, <laughs> the one and only Cat Joselle. Hello. Uber Eats Incarnate. <laughs> Ashley Matson. Hello. And good old fashioned pizza delivery from a mom and pop pizza place wow. when things were better and you had no <laughs> options i used to deliver pizza and then sometimes because it was the 90s they like can you pick up cigarettes and a six pack of beer and i was like there are no rules it's a lawless land <laughs> i hope a dog doesn't try to bite my leg off charlie gilbert hello <laughs> and our governor of course the one who is we work Uber, Facebook, <laughs> all the conveniences wow. that have a little bit of a shady side, but we still <laughs> take it because we know we want it and we are addicted. Yes, it's convenient. Hello, you want me to stop? I don't think so. Avian Noble. So you want no ads, no chit chat, bonus episode, just want the good stuff. You can... Do it for seven days for free. Check it out. Mm-hmm. You can go in, listen to some bonus episodes, and then be like, nah, I'm not interested. I'm good. Yeah. But I think once you hear the chit chatless, <laughs> ad episodes, and you're like, <laughs> you I do want to, you'll, you'll probably be like, mm, it's $2 worth mm-hmm. it. 
Probably. Yeah. But there's probably there's seventy something bonus episodes just sitting there. I tag them bonus episodes, early access, so this way you can easily just find them. You just That's click on right. that, find that on there, click on it, and start listening. Amazing. Seventy episodes. Oh, that's bonus. Just bonus episodes. That's I, it's hard for me to wrap my head around that, if I'm being honest. What value? I wanted to play a game where we quiz each other, go, did we do oh this episode God. or not? I tell you something, we'd lose I would lose because I've looked lose back. Too. Sometimes I can look back and just to make sure everything's like working. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what is this? No. I, I when I'm researching episodes, I'm like, Did, did we do, we this? do this? No, <laughs> yeah. absolutely I mean, it is like once we record, it's, <laughs> it's on my brain. Don't ask me questions. Head on over to patreon.com slash ghost town pod. Mm-hmm. Now let's get out of this part of Los Angeles and go, mm, go back, to back a different part of Los Angeles. That's right. Let's go back to Hollywood, where investigators are on the case of the murder of Georgette Bauerdorf. They are in her bedroom. When there, they find a piece of evidence that, like I said earlier, would color the case for years to come. They find a date book or like a diary. It's kind of a hybrid of both. It contains names of many, many servicemen and notes about their interactions and life. Army authorities joined with the sheriff's department to begin the extensive check of the servicemen in Georgette's book, her diary. As they piece together the identities of the men, authorities find that Georgette was regularly writing some 23 or 24 servicemen in various parts of the world, creating relationships with them, creating consistency around their communication, a whole network of people. Many, logistically, were, of course, cleared as suspects. But June Ziegler mentioned a tall 6'4 soldier who was also interested in Georgette, but whom she did not like. Rose Gilbert, Georgette's dad's secretary and friend, had spent time in her apartment and said that Georgette had entertained men there in her home, sure, but for not very long and never overnight. According to Rose, Georgette was social but had strict Catholic morals. And then there was the guy that June saw Georgette dancing with on the night of her death. The soldier, identified as Cosmo Volpe, turned himself in several days after the discovery of Georgette's body, after he read the police were looking for, quote, a husky, dark-haired GI, at least what she said in her book. He was questioned by the police and disputed accounts that he had made her dance with him, instead saying that he was teaching Georgette to dance because she wanted to learn. Nothing else linked Volpe to the murder, so he was eliminated as a suspect after he offered proof that he had, quote, checked into his barracks at the Lockheed Air Terminal at 11 p.m. that night. June Ziegler also told the sheriff's department that Georgette had dated a 6'4 serviceman less than a month before her murder, another tall man. He was a friend of another serviceman whose name made many appearances in Georgette's diary. According to June, Georgette said that the tall soldier was very into her, but couldn't reciprocate his feelings and broke things off. Again, this soldier was sought for questioning by officers and cleared. Gordon Adland, the sergeant whom Georgette had given a ride to mere hours before her death, recounted in 2012 that he was riding a train on his way back to base when he read about Georgette Bauerdorf in the local paper. Adland immediately wrote a letter to the Los Angeles Police Department recounting in detail his entire encounter with Georgette. He was later questioned by an officer and a full formal testimony was taken. But after that, He was never contacted by police again. At a coroner's inquest on October 20th, 1944, a jury officially ruled Georgette's death as a homicide. During the hearing, Fred Atwood, the janitor, testified that on October 11th, 
he had heard women's heels clicking back and forth on the floor and was awakened by a loud crash at around midnight. Again, this contests the Palladium story, but this is what he said to the jury, which, again, all of this was news to friends and family, fairly shocking. He recognized the sounds as coming from Georgette's apartment and attested that he thought that she was alone. Atwood then repeated the experience of finding Bauerdorf's body the next day and that the night light bulb was never unscrewed before, at least from what he knew. Officers testified that the apartment showed no indication of a struggle, yet the autopsy obviously showed excessive signs of Bauerdorf fighting for her life. In December 1944, 22-year-old Navy dishonorable discharge John Lehman Sumter confessed to the murder. But his story to authorities did not add up, not with the investigation, not with what people were saying. And later, he admitted that he had lied. Quote, I wanted to die in the chair because I had nothing to live for. Another suspect who surfaced during the investigation was a man named Kenneth Raymond, a 23-year-old soldier who went AWOL. He was accused of killing a five-year-old girl named Rochelle Gluskowder in 1946. There was also a man named Robert Pollock White that police pursued. White attempted to murder a 65-year-old woman by shoving a cloth down her throat. He was also in Los Angeles at the time of Georgette's murder. Of course, these details were of interest to investigators, but aside from that, there was no evidence linking him to the case. There were also two unidentified suspects in the case, though, like a lot of these people, nothing really came of them. In 1945, a high school student found a mysterious letter addressed to the LAPD. Wild. The letter writer claimed that the murderer would be at the canteen on a certain date and said that they had been a soldier at Okinawa. The letter concluded with the ominous phrase, quote, The murder of Georgette Bauerdorf was divine retribution. Let the Los Angeles police arrest the murderer if they can. Sounds conspiratorial and scary, but again, nothing came of it. Georgette Bauerdorf was eventually buried in a Long Island cemetery plot the Bauerdorf family had maintained for generations. Georgette's father's best friend, a man by the name of William Randolph Hearst, pressured the LAPD to close the investigation as quickly as possible, likely because discussion of Georgette's romantic life and sexual activity was a topic of both utmost privacy and likely shame. At this point, her private diary had been circulated throughout the investigation process and likely was released, at least in part, to the public. But the speculation around the murder doesn't end when the rich white man says it does. Georgette Bauerdorf's murder could be linked to half a dozen other unsolved killings, and was, including the infamous Black Dahlia case, which occurred two and a half years after Georgette Bauerdorf's life ended so tragically. Some writers speculate that there was even a friendship between Elizabeth Short and Georgette, both dark-haired, pale, young 20-somethings with an eye for men in uniform and big Hollywood dreams. Steve Hodell, the son of Dr. George Hodell, the Elizabeth Short case's most prominent suspect, suggested that his father killed both women because they looked similarly and because Bauerdorf was found with a medical-grade bandage in her throat. Though this is an interesting theory, any connection between Georgette Bauerdorf and Elizabeth Short's murder is incredibly speculative and likely very untrue. The Hollywood canteen closed November 22, 1945, and Elizabeth Short didn't arrive in Los Angeles until the middle of 1946. Almost 80 years later, this case is still unsolved, but lives on in ways that feel both sensational and sentimental. The latter in the family of Georgette's older sister, Constance, who lived a long life and died in March of 2014 in New York City. Her and her husband, a former special agent for the FBI, had two children, a son named Carol and a daughter whom they named Georgette.
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish, or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today, or visit Angie dot com. That's A N G I dot com.